0: And I'm going to ask in a moment for Barbara to come and read a passage from the end of Matthew, chapter 5. And after she's read this, let me introduce both things together. After the reading, uh, we're going to watch a little video clip from uh, the uh, film Les uh, Film and production Les Miserables. And uh, this is the clip that Sarah Chair actually thought of as a possible one that we might have used a few weeks ago when we had the beatitude blessed are the merciful for they shall Receive mercy and in a way there's a close link between that and the reading that we have tonight So it seemed appropriate to play that little clip Uh, It's got one tiny little bit in it that might make you jump, but it's quite harmless Barbara first Uh,
1: The reading this evening is taken from Matthew chapter 5 Verses 38 to 47. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? You can see the movie clip we watched at YouTube by searching for Les Miserab, Back to God scene.
0: Wonderful, thank you to the band very much this evening. Uh, Before I preach, just to say a little bit about Easter, because it's creeping up very soon, and these cards, there are plenty of these at the front, which are obviously for you to take and use to invite friends and to be aware of the Easter program. I wanted to particularly say a little bit about it tonight because uh, it does affect Sunday evenings quite considerably. Next Sunday is a normal pattern for morning and evening. And then the following week brings us into Palm Sunday. And that's the weekend that we've got the action team here. So it's a very lively and interactive morning service uh, on that Sunday. And then the evening, the action team will be leading our service uh, for Palm Sunday evening. But also, if you'd like to hear a little bit more of the detail of what the team have been doing in Kolkata for the last six months on the Saturday morning, it is in the notice sheet this week that on the Saturday morning, couple of weeks time, there's a get together in the morning where you can meet informally with them. Uh, I think we'll be in G6 just uh, in the halls here for that. Uh, Then as we go into the Easter week, obviously the usual Easter program with Good Friday's Walk of Witness and uh, Easter Sunday. But Easter Sunday evening is also the St. George's Day Parade. I hadn't realized that uh, when I was speaking about this at the church meeting. But uh, it is St. George's Day Parade, so we will connect with the parade out, outside on Easter Sunday evening, and the film that we were going to show that evening we'll put on the following week on the 28th. So all the dates are correct on the flyer here, and do take and use them, and spread the word about those details. So the transforming power of love from these amazing words at the end of... Matthew chapter 5. Two sections, really. The section about you have heard that it was said, the eye for an eye, tooth, tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. That's the first section. And then the second section, you've heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies. so, here are some of the most challenging words of the Sermon on the Mount, which pushes the concept of love to the very limit. These two sections of the text the first, the challenge not to retaliate. And then, secondly, the challenge to love unconditionally. And the passage concludes with some very, very telling words in verse 48. Uh, which we didn't intend to drop off the reading. I'm not quite sure how that happened, but uh, the final words are these words, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So let's think about all of this in a very simple way this evening. First of all, with the challenge not to retaliate, and then the challenge to love unconditionally. You've heard it was said, An eye for an eye, a tooth a tooth, for a tooth but I tell you do not resist an evil person the origin of these words is back in the Old Testament it's Exodus 21 verses 22 to 25 interesting context Uh, clearly there were a number of different situations that the law was addressing at that time mainly injuries to different people And uh, Exodus 21, verse 22, if people are fighting and a pregnant woman is hit and gives birth prematurely, but there is no serious injury, the offender must be fined whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows. But if there is serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, Hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. There it is. That's where the phrase came from. But Jesus goes on to say, I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other cheek also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well and so on. The Old Testament idea, of course, is that the punishment matched the crime. It defined justice. Something's gone wrong. Something has to be done to acknowledge that. It defined justice. But it also set limits on the revenge. Just what matched what has gone wrong. The punishment matched the crime. And later in the Old Testament... Uh, The literal translation eye-for-eye, tooth-for-tooth inevitably became replaced by financial penalties or damages as they were described, which were prescribed in a court of law, very much the basis for what we have today in our law courts. But then a greater problem emerged. As this same idea was then applied more to personal relationships, and actually, it's the relationship rather than the action that Jesus is challenging in these words. You said it was, you've you heard it was said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. That's something to do with the actions. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. That's to do with the person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek also. And so what Jesus challenges here is any kind of personal retaliation. He's not questioning the place of justice, but he is challenging any personal retribution. Good News Bible, do not take revenge on someone who wrongs you. And then there are the mini mini illustrations of it, slapping on the cheek, taking to court, forcing an action, begging for for money. And I think if we're to understand this little phrase, then maybe we need to think about how Jesus lived. He challenged, if you remember, the high priest when in court. He overturned the money tables in the temple courtyard. Jesus knew when to stand up and to speak up and to challenge. And yet he held his peace and dignity when he himself was scourged, mocked, spat upon and insulted so Jesus was not someone who was walked over he showed strength, courage and determination but he also showed gentleness compassion and generous love and then Jesus calls his disciples to follow in his own footsteps and so in 1 Peter chapter 2 where we read the connection very clearly between Jesus' own life and the life of his followers. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they heard that, hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to one who judges justly. He believed that justice was there and it needed to be done, but that was in the hands of God. And Jesus himself did not retaliate. He he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness and by his wounds you have been healed. That explanation in 1 Peter chapter 2 of the life of Jesus, the way he believed, the way he lived, and the way he calls his followers to live in the same way is very, very powerful. The challenge then not to retaliate, and my understanding of the whole of Scripture, is that there is most certainly a place for justice, for the punishment of what is wrong, for the appropriate use of the courts of law in a society such as ours. But in personal relationships, there is no place for animosity of spirit or of personal revenge. And so if someone takes almost all of your church silver, do you give him the candlestick as well? A telling clip, isn't it, from the film? And I think that song that was uh, right at the end of the clip goes on to say, use the money to become an honest person. And in the film, the drama was that the thief could take that with him in order that he might become a different person. The transforming power of love. Not just a random giving way and excusing what is wrong but a transforming of what is right and so in our life today we have to try and discern the motives behind the requests that we're facing and respond appropriately and i think this is very difficult some of you may remember that last week we had a gentleman who was around at the church on saturday and sunday Uh, clearly someone who was in need did that person really need a shower a drink a drink and some money for somewhere to sleep the night? Or was he trying to get some cash to feed a drug habit? It became clear to me on his return visit that sadly the latter was the case. Here was someone who needed a much deeper and more substantial support than might have seemed at first. It's very difficult to get underneath the surface and really understand what is going on so to give what someone asks for may not necessarily be following this word of Jesus but to ignore a cry of help because someone's circumstances or appearance because of who they seem to be to ignore that is certainly contrary to the word of Jesus To quote John Stott in this paragraph, the command of Jesus not to resist evil should not properly be used to justify either temperamental weakness or moral compromise or political anarchy or even total pacifism. Instead, what Jesus here demands of all of his followers is a personal attitude towards evildoers which is prompted by mercy, not justice, which renounces retaliation so completely as to risk further costly suffering, governed never by the desire to cause harm, but by the desire to serve their highest good. We desire to serve the very best of those whom we encounter, whatever their circumstances. It is hard to discern what we should actually do. But these words of Jesus show the transforming power of love that by acting differently distinctively positively christianly in these in challenging encounters will make a huge difference the challenge to resist retaliation and then in a way this paragraph leads us almost seamlessly into the next the challenge to love conditionally. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Martin Luther King wrote a sermon based on these words from his prison cell in Georgia. He described how hate multiplies hate in a downward spiral of violence and is just as damaging to the person who hates as it is to the victim. And then he went on to say that love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend because it has creative and redemptive power. Now again, this challenge about you know, love your neighbor and hate your enemy and Jesus saying, no, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, again, it comes from the Old Testament. It comes from Leviticus 19, 34, and some other passages elsewhere in the Old Testament. Interesting that in the Old Testament, there is a lot that is said about the care of neighbors, strangers, sojourners, those who were not the same kind of people as the people of Israel. The idea of hatred to enemies is not fundamentally in the Old Testament. But rather it's an indication of the way that the law had been distorted by the scribes and Pharisees who saw an emphasis on loving those who are like you. And if you're going to concentrate on loving those who are like you, then you may actually become at enmity with those who are different from you. And that's the manner in which the teaching of the scribes and the Pharisees developed. And then Jesus brings his listeners back to the heart of the gospel don't drift like that love your enemy pray for those who persecute you it's similar to what Paul says in Romans 5 verse 10 and 11 for if while we were God's enemies we were reconciled to him through the death of his son having much more how much more having been reconciled should we be saved through his life Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So we were once enemies before God. We've been made friends with God through the transforming power of the love of Jesus. Because that has happened to us, we need to make it happen to those who are around us. And prayer is the key. Prayer is the key to this. How do you begin to love those who seem to be so different and those who seem to mean you harm and make life difficult for you? How do you begin to love them? You start praying for them. Bonhoeffer is so clear on this. He says, through the medium of prayer, we go to our enemy, stand by his side and plead for him to God. It's impossible to pray for someone without loving them. Jesus prayed, Father, forgive, for they don't know what they were doing. And that prayer was an expression of love. Now some of you might find all this language of enemies and friends a little bit strange. What does it really mean for us today? Who are our enemies today? Do we have any enemies? Lots of people would say, of course I don't have any enemies. I'm friendly to everyone. So some may find this easier to identify than others. But I guess that you don't have to think too deeply before you find those who do make life difficult for us. Those who will be critical of what we do. And whether this is to you, applying to you personally, or maybe plying to us as a Christian community corporately. Those who take a different view and treat us badly because of this. those who twist and distort what we say, those who've harmed us deeply by their words and actions, those who have betrayed our trust. These are the people with whom we need to rebuild relationships of love and of prayer, because love of enemies is what makes us distinctive as Christians. You can love your friends, but so does everyone else. So Jesus says you have to love those who make life difficult for you. And that can be very, very challenging. But Jesus goes on to bring this challenging paragraph to a almost a climax and a powerful conclusion when he says be perfect therefore as your heavenly father is perfect and this call to perfection is not to live a perfect life because there's plenty more in the in the even within the sermon on the mount that is quite clear that our life is not yet perfect we continue to hunger and thirst after righteousness we continue to ask for forgiveness when we fail There are many things that we continually do in order to grow in our faith. So this is not to say that we're going to come to the point where we live a perfect life and never get anything wrong. But rather it is a call to love unconditionally and to live distinctively. And indeed that final phrase can be translated you must be all-embracing even as your Father in heaven is all-embracing. That's the transforming power of a life of love. I wonder whether there is someone who you might be able to identify. You probably wouldn't naturally call them an enemy, but as we think about it this evening, you would recognize that they are someone with whom life is not straightforward and not easy. Or maybe you can think of some influence on the church in this land as a whole that makes it difficult for us to live distinctively as Christians. Or maybe your mind will go to other parts of the world, where to be a Christian it is exceptionally hard where often there is confrontation with those who are in authority. In relative terms, we live in a place where there is huge tolerance and acceptance, compared with many countries where it is so different. And yet God is saying to us, "Do not resist an evil person. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. You must be all-embracing, even as your Father in heaven is all-embracing.